Well, good morning, church. How's everybody doing today? Good, good. Good to see you all here. My name is Daniel, and uh, right now I'm one of the pastors at Grace Commons Church still. But as we know, that is uh, drawing to a close soon as my wife and I are preparing for a move to the United Kingdom. I think most of you have probably heard this. Got an opportunity to pastor a church uh, just outside of London. It is scary, it's exciting, it's unknown, but we believe the Lord is in it. Um, and so today I have the privilege of giving my, my farewell message, as it were, um, to the church as one of your pastors. So I want to just clarify this. I don't think this is the last time I'll preach here, I hope. I hope to come back and, and visit and share the word again. I've told Randy I'm available anytime, but especially would sense the Spirit's prompting if there's a lot of snow in the mountains and the nuggets are in town. Okay, so just to reiterate that, in case you forgot, happy to come back. That would be uh, fantastic. Well, today I'm going to share a message called Uncommon Clarity. I believe this is something that the Lord wants for all of us as his children, as his followers, is to have a sense of uncommon clarity about what God is calling us to do. Whether that's in the, the big picture of who we are, or in the specific moment by moment being led by the Spirit, that God wants us to have a sense of uncommon clarity about what His will is. How many of you would say right now, you feel like, I, I would like to have that? I would like to have a little uncommon clarity to know what it is God's asked me to do in any and every given situation. How about, how many of you would say, I've got that? I've got uncommon clarity, and I always know what the will of the Lord is in the moment. Not if you always, okay, but you want it, right? Again, put your hand up if you want it. Even at home, if you want it, put your hand up. All right, if you're watching this in public, put your hand down. You're making people uncomfortable, and that's just not cool. All right, but I think it's something we all want, but not all of us have. So how do we get to a place of uncommon clarity? Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, our text from today is Acts chapter 20, and I'm not going to read the whole passage for the sake of time, because believe it or not, I went a little long in the first service. I know that's shocking and unbelievable, but it happened. Um, but there's a text here in Ephesians chapter 20, which is Paul's farewell to the Ephesian elders. And that felt like an appropriate passage to speak on uh, because we've been studying the book of Ephesians for the last couple months together. And so now we have Paul's farewell to the Ephesian elders. And, and he basically is telling them that he's headed to Jerusalem. And, and for context, what you need to understand is they were trying to stop him. They did not want Paul to go to Jerusalem because they knew that if he went to Jerusalem, that most likely he would be arrested for his faith and would be martyred, would lay his life down. And so his friends from Ephesus, whom he'd spent years with, who loved him dearly, tried to dissuade him from doing what God was calling him to do. Why? Because they, they wanted to protect him. They wanted to keep him safe. But how many of you know that God hasn't called us to arrive at death safely? right? That's not our ultimate calling in life, right? We have a purpose. We have a will, and, and hopefully our will is, is merged with the Father's will for us so that we can live from a place of uncommon clarity. So today I want to try to help us uh, understand how do we get to this place of uncommon clarity that the Apostle Paul had. What are the steps and how do we move through it and get to that place where we can live our lives uh, from that place of clarity and conviction of what God is asking us to do, not only as individuals, but collectively as a church body. 
Okay, so before I do that, I just want to show you some pictures. Uh, we went to Italy a couple weeks ago. Uh, if, you, if you didn't have a chance to go on that trip, there are a few of you I see that didn't make that trip. Uh, Make it a point. It was a fantastic time. We did a, a Footsteps of St. Francis prayer pilgrimage, and we studied his life and learned about what joyful obedience looks like in the context of, of studying Francis's life and visiting some key sites, and, and the food was good, right, Pascos? The food was incredible. Maybe I'm going to go on the record and say this publicly. It might be the best food week I've ever had, okay? And if you know me, you know that's a good week. All right, I love to eat. It was, it was phenomenal. But, but what I want to share with you isn't from Assisi in our, our pilgrimage, but uh, the last day we went back to Rome. And I had a chance to visit some sites um, that were, were key to the end of the Apostle Paul's life. And I think it fits with the direction of the message today. So just want to share a couple pics uh, from Rome. Uh, the first one here is, is a, a prison where anyone who was assigned to death row would have been held uh, in the time of Paul. So this prison that you're seeing here, that's the outside on one side and the inside of the dungeon several you know, floors below. Uh, they believe that both the uh, Apostle Peter and Paul would have been imprisoned here under Nero's persecution uh, before they were executed. And so, uh, you know, Paul went to Jerusalem. The Ephesian elders in Acts 20 were trying to stop him from going because they knew what awaited him. And sure enough, when he went to Jerusalem, he was arrested. And then he appealed to Caesar and he was sent to Rome. And this is where his life ended. Uh, so the Ephesian elders were speaking wisdom, right, to Paul. Like, don't go. Okay, it's not safe. They were right, but they were also wrong. Because their mindset was on what was comfortable for them and what they wanted for Paul. It wasn't on what God was asking Paul to do for the sake of the kingdom. Okay, and so then this next site, Trace Fountain uh, Basilica. This was this, uh, church. It, if you've studied uh, or, or been part of the Catholic Church at all, you, love, they, you know they love to build big monuments uh, over historical sites. And so this was a site where the Apostle Paul would have been executed. And in fact, uh, it's, it's a little bit PG-13, but there's a, a pillar that's in the back corner. You can see behind a grated wall, and, and that's the very pillar where many people who were beheaded uh, were strapped. And so there's some belief that potentially Paul uh, was right there on that as he gave up his life at the end. And then the third church we went to was a church of St. Peter outside the walls. And, and this is where uh, this, a church is built over the Apostle Paul's tomb. And it was just humbling to sit inside this church and you can actually in the next picture you can see like a, a picture of where his sarcophagus is there at the bottom uh, behind that grate and they just recently actually exhumed it kind of crazy and discovered that it was indeed a skeleton mine is a head and it dated to the first century AD they, that happened in 2006 so pretty high degree of certainty that this was the Apostle Paul's actual tomb and, and going through this day and visiting these key sites in the life of Paul uh, just made me sit and think. Uh, I, I was sitting in this church and just remembering Paul's verse uh, to Timothy where he said, Now I have finished the race. I have fought the fight. I have completed the task the Lord has given me, right? And, and there was a sense at the end of his life that I'm done. I've been poured out for the Lord, and now I move on to glory. And you can read that in, in Timothy. That's not our text for today, but, but it's a good one. And so as, as the Ephesian elders are trying to uh, grab Paul and keep him from, from moving in this direction, uh, here's what he says in our key text for this morning. We're going to look at three verses in Acts chapter 20, verses 22 to 24. You guys ready? 
All right, Paul says this, And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem. Not knowing what will happen to me there, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship is facing me. And then he says this, and I love this. This is a beautiful turning point in this verse. He says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race that the Lord has given me and complete the task, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. You see, Paul had a sense of uncommon clarity. He said, my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task. And what is that race and what is that task? It is testifying to the gospel of God's grace. That was Paul's life calling. From the moment he got knocked off his horse on the road to Damascus and was blinded by light in Acts chapter 9, uh, the Lord began to work through him, and he had this uncommon clarity about who he was and about what he was called to do. And if I have a prayer for us as a church, if I have a prayer for you as people that I deeply love and care for, it is that you too will have such a sense of uncommon clarity about who you are and what God is calling you to do. And so this morning, I just want to very simply give you three steps towards uncommon clarity. I'm doing something dangerous. I'm just going to highlight it so I'm not held responsible. I'm putting my notes behind me. All right, we're just going to see what happens. So, so buckle in, okay? Buckle in. Step one, if we want to get to a place of uncommon clarity, what's it going to take? The first thing is we have to learn to pay attention to the Spirit's prompting. Okay, we got to learn to pay attention to the Spirit's prompting. Here it is, Acts 20, 22. However, or sorry, and now compelled by the Spirit, Paul said, I am going to Jerusalem. So he was compelled by the Spirit. In other words, he was paying attention to what the Holy Spirit inside of him was saying. If you are a follower of Jesus today, the same Spirit that lived in the Apostle Paul now lives in you. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now dwells in you. In you and we as a church we as individual followers of Jesus must learn how to pay attention to the Spirit's prompting another way I would say this is pay attention to the tension because when you are heading in, in a certain direction and all of a sudden there's a holy shift all of a sudden the Lord comes and begins to redirect you whether it's your thoughts or the attitude of your heart or your location where you live and work Whenever the Holy Spirit comes to, to redirect you, there's always an internal tension. Because what happens is our own will and desires begin to conflict with the will of God. And we all of a sudden recognize there's an internal tension. Because we thought one thing, but it seems like the Spirit of God is saying something different. And that is very much our story as we prepare for this international move to the UK. We thought we were going to be here for the next number of years. But all of a sudden, the Lord began to speak, and there was a, a prompting of the Spirit we had to pay attention to. And I can't tell you the amount of internal tension it created in my own heart as I wrestle with my desires to be here with this body in this time, in this transition, versus what God is calling us to do. But I know that the Spirit of God was prompting us and was redirecting us. So we have to learn to listen to that internal voice of the Holy Spirit and pay attention to where it leads. Okay, number one, you want uncommon clarity? It only comes when you pay attention to the promptings of the Holy Spirit inside of you because he is committed to leading you on the path that God has for you. 
Okay, number two, if you want uncommon clarity, uh, you need to embrace certain uncertainty. Okay, and this is where following Jesus gets fun, right? Because we think when the Spirit prompts us to do something, then we'll be 100% convinced the moment of the prompting that we're doing the right thing. But friends, I have news for you. Anytime you are following the guidance and the leadership of the Holy Spirit, the only thing that is certain is that you will be plagued with uncertainty. Okay, isn't that comforting? Wow, so good, right? Uncertainty always accompanies a fresh move of God. There's always a degree of uncertainty. Why? Because he's leading us in a direction that we've not been before. And when we're moving out into new territory, it's normal and natural to get nervous and to begin to second guess, to begin to question, to begin to doubt. Again, part of our experience, the Lord made it really clear to us that he's leading us to this church in the UK. But have I had moments of uncertainty? Daily. Daily. But yet then I, I go back to that internal nudge and check in with the Lord. And, and yeah, I, I sense the voice of the Lord saying, keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. I am with you. All right. And that's how the Lord often works. I've seen in my life, and, and maybe you can relate to this, when God gives me a new direction, when he calls me to begin to, to move in, in, in a different way, I always want like a roadmap with like turn-by-turn instructions. Okay, Lord, if, you, if I'm here and you want me there, if you could just show me exactly how I'm going to get there, like I'll follow you, right? If I just know I need to go, you know, a mile this way, then turn left, then turn right. But God rarely gives us turn-by-turn instructions when we're following him. We ask him for a map and he often hands us a compass, right? He, he doesn't give us a detailed outline of how we're going to get where he's leading us. He just gives us a direction to begin moving towards. And the only way, the only way to stay aligned with his will for our lives is to keep that compass in front of us and keep moving forward. Because suddenly we get paralyzed by fear that maybe we're moving in the wrong direction, and so we stop and then nothing happens. But we have to keep taking steps of obedience and faith and paying attention to the compass, knowing that the Spirit of God inside of us will repoint us and redirect us when we're getting off course. We just have to keep our eyes on the compass, which I believe is the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. Don't be discouraged when God calls you to do something you've never done before and you can't quite figure out how I'm going to get from here to there. Recognize that God is unlikely to give you a roadmap because I believe that when we step out in faith, that is the space where we encounter his faithfulness in our life. It's our step of faith meeting his faithfulness that creates these beautiful God stories that, that come out of the adventure of following Jesus. So don't be discouraged when you're moving in a certain direction and there's a little uncertainty. In fact, a little uncertainty is a certain way to know that, that you're on the right track. Right, Erwin McMahon has said it this way. He said, to follow Jesus is to enter the unknown, to relinquish security, and to exchange certainty for confidence in God. Let me give you that one more time. To follow Jesus as an individual, as a church, is to enter into uncertainty. To follow Jesus means to step out of what is known, it means that we're willing to relinquish security. And it means that we're willing to exchange 
the certainty we all long for, for confidence in God. And in my journey of following the Lord, here's what I found to be true. There is no security in what God asks us to do. There is only security in who God is. Okay, there is no security in what he asks us to do. There is only security in who he is. Why? Because he will often ask us to do things that make no logical sense. Can I get an amen? Right? Sometimes the Lord asks us to do things that defy human logic and human wisdom and human reason. Because again, he doesn't want us just to depend on some plan. He wants us to depend on him as a person. And I think that's why God doesn't give us the map. That's why he lets us wrestle through some uncertainty because he wants that uncertainty to refocus us on where his spirit is leading us to make sure that we're staying aligned with what he's doing. There is no security in what he asks you to do. There's only security in who he is. Faith is not logical, right? Nor is it illogical. It's simply theological. When you add God, Theo, into the equation, all bets are off. Anything can happen at that point. All right? And so we have to recognize that as we're following Jesus as individuals, as a church body, we are going to encounter some uncertainty. Okay? That's normal. We have to embrace that if we want to get to a place of uncommon clarity where we're absolutely convinced of what our mission and calling is in life as followers of Jesus and as a church body. Okay? And the third kind of piece of the puzzle we see in this text is that we need to expect predictable resistance. Okay, here it is again. Paul said it, and now compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem. All right, that's the compelled by the Spirit part. Not knowing what will happen to me there, there's some certain uncertainty he doesn't fully know, but what he does know is this. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship is awaiting me. In other words, when you're following Jesus, there will be a measure of predictable resistance. Okay? The enemy will come after you and try to derail you. I love that we talked about this text in Ephesians last week and and are made aware of the enemy's schemes. We must be aware that there is an adversary of our souls who does not want us to live in step with the Spirit, who does not want us to obey courageously what Christ asks of us, because he knows if he can make us play, if he can plague us with doubt and uncertainty and fear, then what we'll do is we'll retreat from the challenge before us to the safety behind us. And that is one of the greatest risks as a follower of Jesus. I believe that's a great risk for us as a church, that we must not retreat from the challenge in front of us to the perceived sense of safety behind us because the Spirit of God says, I am doing a new thing in this place. And I'm doing a new thing in your life. I'm doing a new thing in your heart. This verse from Isaiah 43 has been in my mind all week. You know, do not dwell on the past Because I am doing a new thing, do you not perceive it? It's springing up. I believe God is doing a new thing in this place. And the enemy wants to distract us and derail us and turn us against one another and bring division, all right, and try to separate us to keep what God wants us to do because there is no greater threat to the kingdom of darkness than believers who are unified and have a sense of uncommon clarity about who they are and what God is calling them to do. We must be careful 
not to let the enemy of our soul derail us and distract us and divide us. Because if we do, then we will retreat to the safety behind us. We will settle for doing what we've always done, even though God is calling us into a new thing. See, it's a good thing I put my notes away. God is doing a new thing, but there will be resistance. Let me look at this verse again from Ephesians 6 that Randy preached on last week and remind us of the importance of this again. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Okay, so we need to remember that that is our that there is an adversary of our souls, that he wants to distract us, divide us, derail us, and keep us from doing what God wants us to do. But we don't need to be afraid, right? Because greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. Greater is the Holy Spirit. Yes, Lord? Are we all right? Mic check? Okay, here we go. We'll carry on with this. Greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. Right? Isaiah tells us that no weapon formed against us will prosper. Paul tells us in Romans 8 that we are more than conquerors. So we don't need to be afraid of the enemy, but we must be aware of his scheme and his strategy against us as followers of Jesus and his schemes and his strategy against this church. Because if he can, he will distract, divide, and derail. That's what he does. And I got a, I got a newsflash for you. You guys ready for this? Satan is stupid. Okay, true story, true story. He, he keeps doing the same trick over and over and over again. And the problem is, sometimes we're stupider because we keep falling for the same trick over and over and over again. Listen, when you are stepping out in faith, when you are trying to do something new, when you're following that inner compulsion of the Spirit and you're paying attention to the Spirit's prompting, what will happen is you will be opposed. There will be resistance. You must expect it. In fact, I would be so bold because I'm leaving and because I love you enough to hurt your feelings to say that if, you're not, if your life is not marked with a little uncertainty every now and then, you might not be living a life of faith. If your life is predictable and controlled, I wonder if you're really following what Jesus wants you to do. I wonder if you're really stepping out into the place that Jesus wants you to be because I believe that you can have growth in your life or you can have control, but you cannot have both. You can have growth or you can have control, but you cannot have both. And I would go so far as to say this. If you're not encountering some resistance from the enemy, it may be because you're moving in the same direction that he is. Well, mm, that'll preach. Let me say that again because some of you missed it. And the ones who missed it, you need to hear it. All right. If you're not experiencing any resistance from the enemy, it could be because you're moving in the same direction he is. And I'm not saying that you're following Satan, but perhaps you've allowed him to distract you, to derail you, to divide your attention, and to cause you to, to go back to what is safe and familiar. 
You see, the enemy will always oppose the new thing that the Spirit of God is doing. And, and what happens is, is there's a group of us who will oppose it too because we value the status quo more than we value what God wants to do. We value what is known and familiar and comfortable and safe. But I believe that God wants to, by his spirit, call us to step out of our comfort zone into the unknown where it's scary and it's dangerous and it's confusing, but the spirit is leading, so we're following anyways. We're paying attention to the spirit's prompting and we're willing to leave behind the perceived safety to step into the new thing that God wants to do. And that is one of my biggest concerns uh, for myself as a follower of Jesus, for each of you, as well as for this church, is don't let the enemy dissuade you from what God wants to do in your midst. Don't allow him to divide and distract. Don't allow him to derail what the Spirit of God is trying to do because we'd rather go back to where we've been than to move forward to where he's calling us to be. I think that's true for us as individuals as well as true for us as a body of believers in this place. Don't allow the enemy to tempt you to retreat when obedience gets too costly, when it gets too difficult, when there's too much uncertainty or too much resistance. I've heard it said this way, the dogs of doom always bark the loudest on the doorstep of destiny. All right? The dogs of doom always bark the loudest on the doorstep of destiny. So when the resistance, when the uncertainty, when the opposition gets turned up and gets loud, that's when you need to tune in to the spirit inside of you. Because our only job as believers is to be in love with one another, be in love with the Lord and, and give love to one another and simply stay in step with the spirit. So where is the Spirit prompting us to go? And when the dogs of doom start barking loudly, that's when we need to tune that out and tune in to what is the Spirit of God saying inside of me. Because that is the only way that we get to a place of uncommon clarity. It's a place that we all want to be, but the problem is so many of us give up because it gets too hard. We begin, we take, we feel the Spirit's prompting and we begin to move out in obedience, but then all of a sudden the uncertainty sets in and doubt comes on the coattails of uncertainty. And then the resistance comes and we think, oh, this must not be the Lord because it's too hard. We have a wrong belief that anytime the Lord calls us to do something, it's going to be easy. He never said that, right? God never said that following him would be easy. There will be trials and temptations and difficulties. He didn't say there won't be a price, but he has said that the privilege of serving him will always outweigh the price. So we need to keep moving forward and not allow ourselves to be distracted or derailed. Now, I want to be careful here. We don't get to, to look at one another and say, well, well, you're resisting my idea, so you're the enemy. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. If you do that, the Holy Spirit will slap you, I promise. You don't want that. We, this is not to point our fingers at others who disagree with our position. This is to encourage us to listen to the voice of the Spirit and say, Lord, are we on the right track? Am I on the right track? Is this still where you're calling me to go? Is this still where you're calling us to go? Lord, we want to be courageous in our boldness, in our obedience. We want to follow you wherever you lead us, no matter how uncertain things feel or how much resistance we face. Lord, if this is you, we will not turn back. 
That's my prayer for my wife and I and our family. That's my prayer for you as individuals. That's my prayer for us as a church is that we will not turn back from what God is trying to do in our midst simply because it is unfamiliar and unknown. But we will press through the uncertainty and the resistance and come into the place where God is calling us to be, that we'll walk by faith. You see, we will not get to uncommon clarity if we do not embrace this process. You see, there can be no progress without embracing the process. And the process to get to uncommon clarity is to follow the Spirit's prompting, is to embrace certain uncertainty and to expect predictable resistance and then to press through until you break through. All right? We will not break through to uncommon clarity until we press through the uncertainty and the resistance that is inevitable when we are following the promptings of the Holy Spirit. So my final encouragement as a Grace Commons pastor to you as individual followers of Jesus, to you as a body of believers here in Boulder, is this. Do not allow the enemy to distract you, to divide you, to derail you from where the Spirit of God is leading you to go by faith. So as I pray for you, I just want to ask you to think about that. What in your life. Where in your life do you need to step away from security to step into your destiny? Where have you allowed uncertainty to cause you to retreat to what was certain? Where have you allowed resistance to cause you to retreat to what is safe? And where might the Holy Spirit be pricking your heart this morning, be nudging you, be leading you, be compelling you to take a bold step of faithful obedience in the direction that he is leading you to go. So, Lord, we come before you this morning. And we pray, Father, that you would speak to us in this moment. Lord, each of our hearts, Lord, we are desperate for you. Lord, we want to be where you want us to be. And Lord, we pray that you this morning would prick our hearts if we need to repent. Lord, if we've allowed ourselves to be distracted or divided. Lord, if you're leading us in a new direction, we pray that you would open our ears, open our hearts to feel the compulsion of the Spirit of God and that you would lead us in the direction you want us to go that we wouldn't waver in the face of uncertainty or resistance, but that you give us courageous faith, Lord, to press through until we break through, to go into the new thing that you have for each of us as your followers, to step into the new movement that you're doing in Boulder County. Lord, we want to be where you want us to be. Give us the courage to walk in obedience, we pray. Help us not to retreat when it gets too hard, but help us to come together and to press forward into all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and let's sing together. That's good. I didn't even plan that. That goes along really well. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, he is the one who makes us brave. And um, I can't begin to tell you the love and affection in my heart for each of you and, 
And obedience is never easy. And it's hard to say see you later. I'm not going to say goodbye because I'm going to be back, but, but see you later. And um, my wife, unfortunately, was unable to be here today. Our youngest woke up with a cough. Probably fine, but in the age of COVID, we want it to be safe. Uh, as it turns out, I'm traveling next week. Go figure. My last full week at work, I'll be traveling. I, I clearly didn't know I was leaving. And so uh, I won't be here next Sunday, but my wife and kids plan to be here next Sunday, uh, assuming everyone's healthy, uh, to say goodbye. And uh, I'd love to just to stay here at the end. If anyone wants to come and say goodbye or talk, I'll just stay up at the front. Um, but know that I am praying for this church, that we would not be divided, but we'd be unified. That the life we share in Christ would be so much bigger than any of our differences, politically or philosophically, I'm praying for this church that, that we would be marked by courageous obedience to what the Spirit is prompting us to do. I'm praying for this church that the Holy Spirit breaks out in this place in a way that leaves us absolutely breathless and amazed at what he's doing in and through this body of believers. And I'm praying for this church to, to step into a place of uncommon clarity as we seek to minister to those in Boulder and beyond because we are convinced of the reason that God placed us here and what he wants to do in this place. I am praying those things for you. So now would you receive this benediction? May there be no divisions among you. May you be united in your shared life in Christ. May you be courageous in your obedience. May you follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And may you press through uncertainty and opposition and resistance to step into all that God has for you as individuals and all that God has for this church. And finally, may the hope we have in Christ be the anchor for our soul. May you be flooded with joy and peace as you trust in him on this wild and crazy journey. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love you all and see you soon.